Well, hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Read the Bible, a podcast where we go through the Bible book by book in a way that's deep, but also easy to understand. If you would like to follow along, you can download the YouVersion Bible app and subscribe to the Solid Life Whole Bible Reading Plan. We also have physical reading plans available in the lobby every Sunday. And we would love to hear your questions. Uh, as you read along or you listen along with us, we would love to know the questions that come to mind. Uh, and we'd love for you to send them in so we can spend time the last Friday of every month sending out a brand or a podcast specifically devoted to all the questions you send us. We, we don't get to every question all the time, but I think we've been doing a pretty good job getting to the mo- majority of the questions that have come in so far. Uh, you can send those questions in to uh, info at grove.church, or you can also direct message our Facebook page, The Grove Church, here in Marysville or Snohomish. Uh, if you haven't already as well, make sure you like those pages so you can stay in the loop and stay engaged with what's happening here at The Grove Church. All right, so let's uh, go ahead and dive into uh, the first thing that we're going to highlight this week is in the book Book of Kings. We're only reading one chapter, um, and this is kind of it's um, it's a bummer. So we're we're getting <laughs> it's a downer. Second uh, Kings uh, is not it does not have a happy ending. Um, and so if you remember, I think it was last week we talked about uh, the reign of King Josiah, and uh, Josiah is essentially he's the last good king of it's Judah. King, yeah. He's the last great king of Judah. Um, he's really, I think we said it was that he was like the dead cat bounce of the faith in God before, uh, uh, total disclosure. I didn't know he called it or Evan, Evan titles these podcasts. I do. And so I got caught in the lobby, uh, by my friend, Tim, shout out to Tim. Uh, and he just simply said, dead cat bounce. That's the name of the podcast. I said, yes, it is. Thank you, Evan. So well done naming it. I try. Um, and so Josiah's son, uh, Jehoia, Jehoia. Jehoaz. I'm going to, I'm going to pronounce it like that. Uh, it doesn't matter. He's in there. He's in there for a paragraph and he's gone. Uh, so Jehoaz was 23, (laughs) uh, years old when he began to reign and he reigned three months in Jerusalem. Uh, yeah, not great. Uh, and so Pharaoh Necho comes uh, after Josiah is killed. Uh, he takes Jehoaz away, um, and Jehoaz goes to Egypt, and he dies there, which for a king of uh, Judah is a great dishonor to not uh, die and be buried in Jerusalem. After that, Jehoiakim uh, takes over. He is 25 well years done. old when he began to reign. And he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem, so he made it longer than three months. So, Ooh. you know, good for uh, Jehoiakim. But there's really... Uh, He's 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 a, yeah he's a jerk. Uh, he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord is what it says in verse thirty seven. Um, and then when we get to First Kings chapter twenty four, so that was in twenty three. We read that last week, but I just wanted to kind of give us a little preface um, when we're getting into there. Uh, and finally, uh, Nebuchadnezzar comes around. And if you if you're thinking to yourself, boy, that sounds familiar. Uh, it's because Nebuchadnezzar, yeah, Nebuchadnezzar is going to be uh, one of the major players in the book of Daniel when we get there. Um, and he also is, spoiler alert, the king who conquers uh, Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And so uh, during the reign, it says, uh, in his day, starting in verse 1, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up. And Jehoiakim became his servant for three years. Then he turned and rebelled against him. And the Lord sent against him bands of the Chaldeans and the bands of the Syrians and the bands of the Moabites and the bands of the Ammonites. A lot of bands. Um, These are rock bands. Battle of the bands. uh, And set them against Judah to destroy it according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by the servants of the people. Surely this came came upon Judah at the command of the Lord to remove them out of his sight for the sins of Manasseh. Uh, and just going back, man, King Manasseh really, God really has a uh, a specific hatred for that guy, or at least what what he did. So uh, all throughout uh, the rest of the book of Second Kings, it's kind of just brought up, like, yeah, because of what Manasseh did, this is happening. Um, so, anyways, uh, after all of this uh, goes down, Jehoiakim reigns in Judah. 
Uh, it says that he was 18 years old when he becomes king. He reigned three months, a uh, bit of a theme there, in Jerusalem. And then he also did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father had done uh, before him. And then finally, we see that Jerusalem is captured. Uh, at that time, the servants of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up to Jerusalem, and the city was besieged. And Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to the city where his servants were besieging it. And Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, gave himself up to the king of Babylon himself and his mother and the servants and his officials and his palace officials. Uh, the king of Babylon took him prisoner in the eighth year of his reign uh, and carried off all the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house and cut to pieces all the vessels of gold in the temple of the Lord. So basically, uh, Judah's done. So this yep. is, yep, they've been conquered. Deuces. It's over. Uh, the northern and the southern kingdoms of Israel have both been uh, overthrown. Right now, they're both under the control, I believe, of the Babylonians. And the final king of Judah, uh, fittingly, his name begins with Z. So, you know, I, I feel like that's, that's just a nice deal. Uh, but Zedekiah reigns in Judah. He was 21 years old when he becomes king, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. His mother was Hamutal, the daughter of Jeremiah of Libna. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, according all that Jehoiakim had done. For because of the anger of the Lord, it came to the point in Jerusalem and Judah that he cast them out from his presence. And Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon. And uh, spoiler alert, that's not going to go well. In the next chapter, nope, um, in the next chapter, it goes from Judah kind of being conquered, but still being able to somewhat rule themselves a little bit, kind of like what you see in the New Testament where Rome is in control, but Herod is king. Uh, next chapter, 25, we'll read it soon. Um, that goes away, and Judah's just completely, nope, you're done. So that's how. Yeah, it's a fun It's a fun reading this, this week. So. so And there you Enjoy. go. There's really no positive spin on that. No, nope, so not at all. It's just. Except that God does what he says he's going to do. Absolutely. So with that being said, let's move on to the next section. Yeah, we're going to be spending uh, quite a bit of time in Jeremiah this week. Uh, and it's interest, It's it's important and interesting to note, uh, as I was kind of looking over this week, uh, we see, we're going to be in Jeremiah 22 through 29. Then we're going to go to chapter 35, chapter 36, and then chapters 45 through 49. We're not going to be reading in um the the book's chronological chapter order we're actually going to continue because if you didn't know this this reading plan that we're in is it's a chronological reading throughout the uh especially the old testament and the history of the old testament and so yeah new testament jumps around a little bit yeah and so we're reading uh the events as they unfold chronologically which is why there's some overlap of jeremiah and there's some second kings and uh because it's it's we're in essence keeping with the timeline of uh, the Old Testament history. And that's why you're going to run into reading different chapters after chapter 22. You're going to jump to 35 and 36 and then jump to 45 and 49 because there's a shift in Isaiah or Jeremiah's writing that is, uh, it shifts into a topical writing and not just chronological of the events that are undergoing. And so that's why you're going to see just a kind of a quick tidbit if you're going to wonder why are we doing that. Uh, because the reading plan is chronological and Jeremiah's writing is not fully chronological. He jumps around a little bit. Classic Jeremiah. Uh, you know, he's he's a smart, you know, trendsetter. So um, the one passage I want to highlight for us today is Jeremiah 29 because I think there's a very familiar passage, a very popular passage. It's a graduation passage. It's a... Um, anytime there's a rite of passage, it's a passage that's used there. And it just says this in Jeremiah 29, 11, and I believe 12. Uh, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Uh, and he says this, uh, You will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. 
uh, this promise is a very big promise. And it's, it's funny because when I was reading this, because uh, I'm currently working through the book of Jeremiah myself, just on my own. And as I was reading this, it was a very, it was kind of an interesting, challenging, beautiful picture of God's promise being fulfilled. Uh, because we oftentimes look at it in like in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of hardship, God's has a better plan. He's going to work out his better plan for us. He's going to bring deliverance or freedom or whatever. And this passage in Jeremiah 29, I want to read verses one through 10 for us real quick uh, and then highlight a couple things that I think are worth noting and remembering as we think about and read Jeremiah 29 this week. Uh, so it says this in verses one through 10. It says, this is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the remaining exile exiled elders, the priests, the prophets, and all the people Nebuchadnezzar had deported from Jerusalem to Babylon. Jeremiah was imprisoned. No, sorry, Jeremiah was still in Jerusalem while all these leaders and elders were actually in Babylon having been exiled. It says this, this was after King Jeconiah, whatever, uh, the queen mother, the court officials, <laughs> we're just going to King Jay, um, the officials There's of Judah of and Jerusalem, there are, I know, uh, officials of Ju- Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the metalsmiths had left Jerusalem. Again, the exile had taken place. Babylon had been captured by ne- or had captured Jerusalem. Nebuchadnezzar brought uh, people over. He left a he left a group of people back in Judah and Jerusalem. Uh, and so it says this: the letter stated, "This is what the Lord of Armies, the God of Israel, says to all the exiles I deported from Jerusalem to Babylon: Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Find wives for yourselves and have sons and daughters." Five wives for your sons and give your daughters to men in marriage so that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. Do not decrease. Pursue the well-being of the city I deported you to. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for when it thrives, you will thrive. Love that verse. Verse 8 says, For this is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says. Do not let your prophets who are among you and your diviners deceive you, and don't listen to the dreams they elicit from them. You elicit from them, for they are prophesying falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them. This is the Lord's declaration. For this is what the Lord says, when 70 years for Babylon are complete, I will attend to you and confirm my promise concerning you to restore you to this place. After verse 10 that I just read is when he jumps into, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And the interesting thing here that I think is worth noting is the context with which God is promising purpose and provision and meaning. He says in verse 7, to pursue the well-being of the city I've deported you to. Pray to the Lord on its behalf for when it thrives, you will thrive. God's promise of provision and purpose is not deliverance from exile. It's actually in the city that they have been exiled to. He says, seek the welfare of the city. Seek the benefit because when it thrives, you thrive. And and I love this because it challenges me and it challenged my thought process to think, God, you're gonna, you have something better for me and it's not this. No, God's promise for his people in Jeremiah was exile. And he's going to show provision and purpose in the midst of exile, which is why he says, increase there, don't decrease. And I think like to be all preacher and pastory for a second, I think sometimes in the midst of our difficult situations or seasons, we recoil, we, we pull back, we, we aim to decrease when I believe God sometimes would challenge us to increase. I think God would challenge us to lean in, to plant, to dig, to, to build and, and plant seed and harvest and, you know, to be agricultural about it. Um, and in one of the commentaries, the commentary that I've been reading says this, in short, God wanted his people to go about their business as usual, despite the fact that they were living in a godless city, which sounds familiar for many of us, because I don't think our cities are godly anymore to a degree. I'm probably casting judgment. Um, he wanted them to lead normal lives. Thir- furthermore, he wanted them to build for the future. They weren't supposed to seek peace in the city they lived. He tells them to seek the peace of the city where they lived. Uh, and for whatever reason, God promises 
his promise was fulfilled in a godless city. And today it's the same. And so I think that there's just this tension for us when we hear Jeremiah 29, 11 to get all like warm and fuzzy and good feelings saying, okay, God's got something better for me. And it's not where I'm currently at. And simply put, I don't know if that's always right or biblical. Uh, so I love the challenge of Jeremiah 29. I think the context is pretty powerful and important to remember. And so, yeah, that was awesome. Uh, the next book that boom, we're boom. Just kidding. It's Rose. always fun when you have those revelations. And this was like a personal revelation of mine, which is why I'm so excited about right. it. Um, but I just think it's it's worth reading and remembering as we read. Jeremiah. I don't know. When we said boom, my first thought was um, boom, roasted. But then I was like, that's not oh, what it's we're... funny. I say, I think boom goes a cannon out because my daughter watches Sophia the first or did. And that was a statement by her. Sophia's <coughs> brother, James. Sure. Yeah. Totally, Shout out to Princess Sophia. Totally know what you're talking about. You um, know when you have kids. So we're going into uh, the book of Romans this week. This is a great uh, book. It is. So we actually, this was one of the first books that we talked about on the podcast. Um, I think we started with Revelation, Romans, and this then was before AD. Genesis. Yeah. So this is, this there. is before Aaron. This, this is BC, uh, BA anyway. Uh, so all, all of that aside, uh, we're going into the book of Romans and, um, I'll reiterate a little bit of what we said in the beginning. Um, but really what makes this book special is that Paul, because Paul had never been to Rome at this point, obviously he is going to Rome, uh, as we're reading, um, in, uh, as we read in Acts, man, I'm just fumbling over all my words today. We finished Acts last week. Um, anyway, we know that Paul goes to Rome, um, but he's writing this letter and it's really this kind of, um, systematic theology that he's giving mm-hmm. in the book. And what I mean by that, cause that's just, that's more of a technical term. Um, it's Paul working through step by step, um, the Christian faith. Yeah. And the so gospel he, and truth of Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. So he works through uh, Romans three, uh, not the most encouraging chapter because it's basically like you're sinful and I just want to make sure you know that you're sinful. Um, but then um, Paul works his way through after establishing that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans three twenty three. Um, yeah. And he talks through about how um, essentially our, our salvation is not something that we earn ourselves through works. Mm-hmm. Our salvation, the works that requ- that are works that are required for salvation, have been done by Jesus. And yeah. now our role um, is to have faith and yeah. to trust in Him. And so, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the historical context of Romans and kind of what it's meant uh, throughout church history. Um, just because I think I think it's it really is it really is powerful. Um, so, one of the cool things about the church in Rome. Um, I believe it's the only church in the New Testament that's still around, um, which is kind of a crazy thing to say because you don't have um, the church in Ephesus. That's interesting. Yeah, there is. I mean, there is. There are churches yeah, around but, Ephesus, but, but not, it's yeah. not the one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the church in Rome that Paul writes to. Um, it's it's still going. Um, obviously, the Roman Catholic Church is, is what we're talking about there, um, and there there is kind of this beautiful thing. Obviously, we disagree doctrinally. Um, uh, with a lot of the things that Roman Catholics believe, but there is something really beautiful about the fact that um, it ju- it just stretches all the way back uh, mm-hmm. to the Book of Rome. But speaking of the Roman Catholic Church, so you'll see my my uh, segue there. That was good. Um, what I think is is really powerful is I was reading um, this biography on Martin Luther by uh, Eric Metaxas, which Eric, by the way, just quick side note: if you need a good biography, Eric Metaxas does great biographies. He does has one on Wilberforce. Bonhoeffer and uh, and Martin Luther. So the Wilberforce one is my favorite, but they're all great. Um, and so, but in, in, in it, essentially what he's talking about is that um, Luther was in a spot where a lot of us, I think, can be, um, particularly when we grow up in faith. Um, 
And I think so often, um, and not because people are bad, but so often Christianity is kind of just communicated as like, you know, do this, don't do this. Um, here's the rule. Don't lie. Invite your friends to church. And then you're going to be fine. Like, you know, kind of like that's how it's put down. And so Luther mm-hmm. is overcome uh, with just guilt of his sin. And it actually talks about how he was, um, he was a monk. And so he'd go to confession and the, the head of the monastery actually thought he was just lazy and trying to get out of work because he would spend hours and hours every day in confession because he was worried that like, oh man, if I, if I miss a sin, I'm going to hell. And so it's just kind of, he's, he's so caught up in this idea that he has to work for his salvation. And then what truly changes his life is that he eventually becomes a teacher. Um, and he's teaching at a college. I think, I believe he's in Wittenberg at this point, but, um, and he's, he's teaching through Romans and then Paul in Romans kind of just completely upends his idea of faith. And the idea is, um, that we have peace with God through faith. And so in Romans chapter five, which we're reading through today, it says in verse one, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Um, also, this is super lame, but I just came to my head and I have to say it because in Star Wars, they say uh, fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering. Um, but then we find out in Romans that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame. So there you go. Yoda was wrong. But uh that was dumb. Anyway. Uh, I'm speechless. <laughs> there, there you go. Um, but no, in, in the first uh, six chapters of Romans and, and throughout the whole book, but the, the first six is what we're reading this week. Um, as you're reading it, really just have kind of this idea in mind of it, it's really this freedom from um, religious legalism mm-hmm. is one of the major messages of Romans. And it yeah. might sound like it's not that way because, again, I, like I said, some of the chapters are not encouraging in the sense that it's saying like, no, you, you're a sinner. Like you deserve hell. That's the way it works. But um, as it moves through, it's this really powerful moment where we realize that um, we don't have to put our salvation on our back. Jesus already did that for yeah. us. And the beauty of Christianity so true. and the beauty of our faith is is that we have to trust in the finished work of God. We don't have to trust in our own works. Yeah, so good. Uh, I just simply say, man, Romans is a phenomenal book. Um, try not to rush through it as you're reading it. Uh, I need to take my own advice here, um, but try not to rush through it and really read it to understand and really dive into, uh, because it is it is literally, even as Evan said, it's laying out the, the foundation of the Christian faith and because he's speaking to a very intellectual audience in Rome. And uh, so it's very, very, and I would argue very, very meaningful and powerful for us today. Uh, we're going to be reading two Psalms this week. And so I just want to highlight one of them. Uh, Psalm where I'm going to highlight is verse or Psalm 43. Uh, the other Psalm we're going to read is Psalm 86 this week, but Psalm 43 says this vindicate me God. And I'm only reading this one because I love the ending. So uh, bear with me. I have the mic and I'm doing my own things, but it says this uh, vindicate me God and my champion and champion my cause against an unfaithful nation. Rescue me from the deceitful and unjust person. For you are the God of my refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about in sorrow because of the enemy's oppression? Send your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to your dwelling place. Then I will come to the altar of God, to God, my greatest joy. I will praise you with the lyre, which is an instrument, God, my God. 
Why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him, my Savior and my God. And I love this psalm, and I'm highlighting it because it is that that we have moments and seasons and times where we just feel defeated. We just feel overwhelmed and discouraged with the world around us, with the boss or the organization we work for, with the political state of our world, with the uh, even the community uh, issues going on, our neighbors across the street. There's so many different moments that I really believe we struggle to find joy and hope and meaning. Uh, and as followers of Christ, we have this promise where even as the psalmist says in, in verse two, like you are my refuge, but then he feels, why have you rejected me? And it's, you see this battle between truth and feeling. I mean, again, I, I keep reiterating this, this series we're, we're wrapping up and in the middle of right now at this point when this podcast is recorded, um, of spiritual mathematics, but it's this idea of conviction versus emotion. We have this tension we see play out in this psalm, but then he also says this in verse three, send your light and your truth and let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to your dwelling place. Why? Because God is our, our our peace. God is the source of our hope. God is the source of our strength. And and as we let his truth and his light, which is evident in his word, as we stay devoted to his word daily, then it creates a really unique opportunity for us to, to be led to the place where God dwells. And then it says this, why am I so you so dejected? It's interesting how the conversation turns from I'm, why have you rejected me to wait? So why are you so dejected? Because when we put our hope and faith in Jesus, when we put our hope and faith and trust in God, when we go to the place where he dwells, when we let his word, his truth, and his presence lead us to him, we find great joy and we see it contrast the, the state of our souls. And we can speak to ourselves and say, why are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in God for I will still praise him, my savior, my God. And so for you today, as you're listening to this, whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're going through, it's just that hope and that promise that we have as we let his truth lead us and guide us. Psalm 119, 105, I say this a lot as a youth pastor when I was, that God's word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. We are then led to the place where God dwells, who is the greatest joy that we hold to. And we will respond in worship and praise and adoration to him. So I hope you're encouraged today. That's a great psalm to read this week. So be leaning in to that one specifically. And that's where we'll wrap it up this week. Uh, a little bit of a shorter episode, but I think I don't think it's a bad thing. Uh, just a quick reminder that we are a podcast of the Grove Church, but we're not the only podcast of the Grove Church. You can find all of our other resources uh, and podcasts on our website at grove.church. Uh, and then also just do us a favor, leave a five-star review on whatever uh, app you're listening on. It just helps us get the word out there and grow this community of people reading the Bible together. Talk to you next week. Oh, yeah.